Hello and welcome to Word for the Day. This is Father Pete Matthews from St. Patrick's Anglican Church in Lexington, Kentucky. And on today's Word for the Day, I want to pick it back up with my series called How to Read Your Bible. And today I want to talk about genre or types of literature. So the Bible is a book of books, um, 66 books plus the Apocrypha. And um, each of these books follows a kind of genre. So there's different genres in the Bible. Some of them are genres that we know, and some of them are unique to the ancient Near East and uh, to the first century world. Um, And so um, I want to talk about those because getting those right um, can really help us uh, or, or guard us from certain errors in reading the Bible. And if the word genre isn't one you're used to, just think of like there's kinds of writings like, you know, uh, uh, prose, which is just regular writing is one thing, and poetry is another kind of writing. Each one of those is a genre. So in the Bible, we, we have these different genres. We have historical narratives. So we have um, and sort of subversions of that, but we have these writings, many of them that are written as narrative of events that happen in history. That's number one. Number two, we have poetry, and it's a Hebrew kind of poetry that's based on a model called parallelism. And there's different kinds of parallelisms. Sometimes it's when uh, one thought is stated, and then the next line is the opposite, or a thought is stated, and then it's repeated, or a thought is stated, and it's amplified. Um, so, for example... Um, In the Psalms, um, it says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the council of sinners, nor stand in the path of scoffers, nor sit in the seat, stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Excuse me. That's a kind of parallelism that's repeating an idea, three different ways of saying um, walk, stand, sit. They're, They're not actually different statements, they're kind of different angles on saying one key idea. You're blessed if you don't live in a way that goes against God. It's poetic. Um, Jesus used this kind of parallelism. You have heard that it is said, but I say to you. So that's kind of a Hebrew poetic genre. The historic narrative is pretty straightforward, except in ancient writings, um, the kind of precision we seek to get in historical writing um, wasn't even attainable. So oftentimes there's numbers that are rounded, maybe exaggerated, and we can kind of read those and go, oh my gosh, they're, they're making stuff up. It's like, but but in, those are conventions of the day, and and we understand that we read it now. So it's not in error, it's just a certain kind of genre. Okay, so um, the prophets are pretty much full of um, Hebrew parallelism and poetic genre, but... Um, they often have a formula that's added to it where it talks about the date and the place in the year that the prophet spoke. Um, the Gospels are a form of historic narrative, um, but they're a form of narrative that's intended to teach in a way that's more overt than some of the other narrative. That's important to pick up on. Okay, then another genre is what we call letters or epistles. So in the Roman world, there's a form of letter writing called the epistle. And it was probably equivalent to what we think of as a business letter. Um, it was a formal letter, and it usually had an, uh, a greeting, an introductory section. 
the heart of the letter and then closing greetings. And when you read the New Testament letters uh, by Paul and by others, generally you see this pattern. Now, sometimes there's little adjustments, like 1st, 2nd, 3rd John are a little bit different, still still follow this general pattern. Um, and then some of them are to specific people or churches, and some are general. But knowing that helps you interpret and understand what's going on in the letter. Um, then there's a genre called apocalyptic, and this is some of the Old Testament prophets, and especially the book of Revelation. And I find often when people don't pay attention to this genre, they really mess up Revelation. So apocalyptic is a genre where a person has a vision of what's going on in the unseen world, what the Bible calls the heavenlies. And that vision tells them and gives them wisdom about how to act in the world. So usually something, some kind of suffering or challenge is happening in the physical world, and it looks like God's going to lose. And then they have a vision of what's going on currently in the heavenlies, and it reminds them that God is ultimately in control, and God's going to win the battle over over evil. And so um, that's how Revelation works. It has some prophetic pointers to the future, but actually most of the letter is a vision of what's going on in the heavens right as John is on earth. And it's helping the Christians who are in the seven churches he write to, writes to endure in their faith by understanding what's really going on in ways they can't see. That's That's apocalyptic. Then you have the genre, and this is the last thing I'll mention, of the creation stories, and they're kind of their own genre all by themselves. They're just really hard to categorize. Um, they're kind of poetic history. That's maybe the best way to say it. There's different ways people say it. And here's what I mean. They refer to real things that happen to history, but they write about them in very creative, poetic ways. So, um, so um, Genesis 1 um, in my understanding, is not so much an explanation of biological origins, but a, a poetic and, and really kind of liturgical way of talking about how God, um, God's purpose for the world and all the things he made in it, how he ordered them for a purpose to make creation a temple. And then Genesis 2 and 3 are in the garden, and they're kind of a subset of that larger story. And they're really getting at how we got where we are now in terms of human sin and evil. And I think they talk about real people and events that happen in space and time because um, the fall isn't just sort of a lesson about each one of us. It's something that happened to humanity where communion is broken. Yet I think it's clearly written in a poetic way and in ways that aren't meant to be taken absolutely literally. So it's a tricky thing to read um, but it is God's word. It's an inerrant. It's an authoritative. I totally believe in it, and we bow to it. We have to read it rightly so that we can read it carefully. And then I think what happens, we actually then glean what God wants us to glean from it. So um, let me give you an example of 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 how someone could mess up um, genre. So in John 4, when Jesus is talking to the woman of the well, he says, God is spirit. That means he's not material. Um, you know, we're really, in a sense, what is spirit? I can't identify it as a substance. I just know it's something that's not what I know from my five senses. But clearly, God's not physical. And that's a, a straightforward historic statement 
by Jesus that he said um, at a well in Samaria on a certain day and a certain time. In the Psalms, it'll say things like, the Lord will save you with his right hand. Now, the Psalms are the word of God, and they tell the truth. So clearly, God has a right hand. He has arms and hands, right? Because the Bible says that. Well, not so fast, because the Psalms are poems. It's a poetic expression saying God will save you. God has the strength and the desire to save you. And it's a, a, an ancient Near Eastern Hebraic expression about God's power. So the ancient peoples would have read it that way. They would have understood it. The Hebrews believed God was spirit. They didn't mix that up. And But you can really mess up genre that way. So um, that's it. I can mention a few other things, but you know, like the Proverbs are kind of Hebrew poet, poetry, but they're a little bit different, but after you read carefully, um, etc. But those are probably helpful things as we learn how to read the Bible well. God bless and have a great day.